Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. So we've been talking about the brachot in, I will call them the second half of the middle of the weekday Amidah. I'll tell you where we are, although we're not going to look at the Sidur very much today. We're going to, I'm going to share some texts with you, but where we are uh, in the slim, we've been on page 39 and uh, 40. And we in the were already column, on 14. 112 to 114. Um, and just to review, as I said to Jeff, either a week ago or two weeks ago, when he asked, so what, what brings this group of brachot together? We talked about them, and these are, I think of them as the uh, national political Jewish brachot. So starting with um, uh, um, we have ingathering of the exiles, kibbutz galiot, and then we have mishpat, good judges, and then we have the blessing to pull down the sectarians and heretics and the bad guys. Originally, it's really heretics. It's really Jews who did not conform to the mainstream theologically. Oh, we'll talk about that in a moment. We'll get to the text of that. Various, but and but nowadays, I assume most of us are probably not thinking about heret, Jewish heretics when we read that bracha. It's probably not our interpretation for most of us. Then for the righteous, al hatzadikim, those who are unusually righteous. Then rebuilding of Jerusalem, then restoration of the Davidic kingship, and then there's the summary bracha shomayatfila, which we haven't really talked about, which I don't think we'll talk about today. Okay, so I want to look at some things which are going to have to do with um, which is the nineteenth bracha, which was added later, how do we know, and we're going to look at some rabbinic text that will help us answer that question. But before we do that, are there any questions or comments that are lingering about any of these brachot? Because we went through a whole bunch to one or two weeks ago, and I just want to, people may not have had a chance to react, so I want to make it, ask if people want to react. The only thing I was thinking about was, you know, we have two brachot that basically, you know, talk about like a hopeful future for the Jewish people, the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the continuation of the Davidic line. Yes. And nowhere in there have we yet mentioned the restoration of sacrifices. And I know that in the Ritzay paragraph, there are two words that refer to that, that the conservative movement has taken out because yes. we generally only refer to sacrifices in the past tense as something we once did, not as a future aspiration. But it still strikes me like, you know, what for all the emphasis that seems to be placed in traditional Judaism on the restoration of sacrifices, you don't really see it in the Amidah. I mean, okay, we took out two words, but like well, by the way, know, or not just sacrifices or temple. So the temple is not directly mentioned, which, which yes, it, uh, I just want to say, yes, that is interesting. And we will talk about it when we get to the, to Ritzay, Bracha number 17. But yes, it is noteworthy. It's Jerusalem, but there's no mention of temple. Yeah. 
I'll just say, yeah, that's interesting. By the way, for those who are in shul uh, who davened on Tisha B'Av, uh, I hope you found it interesting and more interesting this year because of where we are in our Sidur class about like where Anenu is added in. You know, it's added in two different places depending on if it's in your individual prayer or the Chazan is saying it. That's an interesting question, which I don't think I want to go into today. And then we have Nachem, the version of Bonei Yerushalayim that we say on um, on um, on Tisha B'Av. Okay, I'm going to share my screen. Uh, Mishnah. Okay, Code of Jewish Law from the early 200s. Okay. Um, and sorry, this is being recorded, but without the video, so I'll, I'll try to make sure to explain everything for the people who are listening at home. Mishnah says, Rabban Gamliel Omer... Rabban Gamliel, he's close to the year 100, okay? He says every day a person needs to have their tefillah, which is the Amida, be 18 blessings. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, me'en shmona esrei. Rabbi Yoshua says a, a summary of 18 blessings, right? We know that there is a summary of the Amidah, which we're not going to talk about today, which you're supposed to say when you simply don't have time uh, to say the full 18 brachot. It's supposed to be when you're traveling or in times of danger, where basically each one of the middle brachot is like two words. Okay? So Rabbi Yeshua says, you know, you can say that short version every day. Rabbi Akiva Omer, im shkurat filato b'fiv, Rabbi Akiva says, if a person securely knows how to daven, you know the words, then you should say the full 18. If not, you say the abridged version of the 18. So presumably this assumes the abridged version of the 18 is much shorter. People would have a way of knowing it by heart, okay? Um, and they might not know the whole Amida by heart, but it might be easier for them to know the abridged version by heart. So it's clear, of course, from this that they live in a world of no um, uh, printed books or even manuscripts for most people. Davening is um, by heart. And Rabbi Gamliel says, you know, you have to say 18 brachot. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, summary is fine. Rabbi Kiva says, look, not everyone, everyone, not everyone really knows the Amida. Okay, so they might not be able to, they can do the abridgment. If you really know how to daven, um, uh, then it is, um, then you can say, you should say the whole first Amida. I think that's all I want to do in the Mishnah. We're going to read the Talmud about this. Okay. Here's the Talmud pertaining to this Mishnah. By the way, I just want to point out, the Mishnah, let's just, some thoughts about the Mishnah. First of all, that doesn't mean Rabban Gamliel invented the Amidah, okay? That doesn't mean that before Rabban Gamliel, no one ever had the concept of 18 blessings, okay? It means that Rabban Gamliel, close to the year 100, after the structure of the temple, says the daily davening, I'm just sort of establishing here is people need to say the full 18 brachot. So this seems to imply that uh, the, some version of the Amidah, which was probably 18 brachot, 
existed before Rabban Gamliel's time. There's no suggestion that he said a new invention. Okay. He's saying, you really have to say it. Rabbi Yosha says, no, no, no. It's okay to say a summary. Rabbi Akiva is kind of the compromise position, right? So the fact that they're all arguing about this seems to suggest that before their time, there was already a concept of the Amida and that it was 18. So maybe it's Rabbi Gamliel who is, I'm going to put it in quote, air quotes, standardizing it or something like that. But it, it does, there's no suggestion that he invented it. Okay, the Talmud says, as the Talmud always does, me. These 18 correspond to what? Meaning, um, how come there's 18? Like, that's kind of an odd number. You know, we know recurrent numbers in the Bible and in rabbinic literature, threes, fives, sevens, tens. 18 is such a peculiar number. Why are there 18 brachot? Here's one answer. Amar Rabbi Hillel, son of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Keneget Shmone Esrei Azkarot Shamar David Behavul Hashem Bnei Elim. There are 18 mentions of Hashem's name in Psalm 29. That we say on Shabbat mornings when we're putting the Torah back. Okay? Rav Yosef Amar, Keneget Shmone Esrei Azkarot Shibikriyat Shema. 18 times when Hashem's name is mentioned in Shema. I've never actually counted, and I don't know. Don't know. I'm Rabbi Tantun, I'm Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Keneget Shmone Esrei Chuliot Shabashidra. 18 bones in the spine. And Rabbi Tantun, I'm Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, then adds. Let me just scroll down a bit. Hamid Palel, Sarich Shikra, Achid Pakaku, Chuliot Shabashidra. When you bow, sorry, when you're davening, when you bow, you need to bow so that all 18 bones of your spine can be seen. Now, in fact, there aren't 18 bones in the spine from the modern medical standpoint. There are more than that, but okay. Um, uh, so Rabbi Tanfun Ben Levi, what's the connection with the spine? Because in the Amida, you bow, you need to, uh, right? So showing every vertebra in your spine when you bow enough, um, you know, implies that you're, 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 you're bowing deeply and properly. So the fact that we have three reasons that is given means what? It means that no one authoritatively knows why they're 18 brachot. They're all searching for an answer. So there's no Mishnah, no earlier rabbinic source that says, Rabban Gamliel ordained 18 brachot because there are 18 times that God is mentioned in Psalm 29. These are all later rabbis who are trying to come up with an explanation. Everyone with I'm me? Is there a comment? Sorry. Yes, I'm surprised that they didn't tie it. Any, none of them tied it to the gematria of Chai. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the Talmud isn't super big on gematria. It's actually kind of, they do some gematria sometimes, but it's more of a later mystical thing. By the way, there are other reasons that are given in other rabbinic sources, other than these three, there are midrashim that say other things. Okay, I want to get to the extra bracha. Hane tamnesrei tashasrei havyan. This is Aramaic. These eighteen brachot, there are nineteen. So that means the anonymous voice of the Talmud. Again, the Talmud is an anonymously edited document. Traditionally, rabbinic, rabbinic 
the rabbis say it was Ravina and Ravashi who were the editors. There's certainly other modern opinions. But what the Talmud is, is a anonymous flow of questions and answers. And questions and answers are quoted by named authorities, are threaded in as if those named authorities are sitting in the same room and in, are in conversation with each other. As you probably know, if you've studied any Talmud before, generally they're not in the same room and in conversation with each other, and they might have lived 200 years apart. So we'll have Rabbi X asks a question, Rabbi Y answers the question. One of them lived in Eretz Israel, one of them lived in Babylonia. They're 200 years apart, and the Talmud puts them together. The Talmud, I'm going to say, in quotes, I was going to say artificially, artificially, literarily threads a conversation. If you follow what I'm saying. So the anonymous Talmud says, 18, there are 19. Okay. And this is the Babylonian Talmud, which will be important. Right. So we know in our Amida, there are 19. So why does Rabban Gamliel say 18? And why are we giving reasons for 18? which means, by the way, that in Rabban Gamliel's time and place, there were 18, okay? And the various rabbinic answers of why there were 18, they're speaking to 18. The anonymous voice of the Talmud says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we talking about 18? We actually have 19 brachot, which means by the era of the anonymous voice of the Talmud, we don't exactly know when that is, 500, 600-ish. There are already 19 brachot. So in Rabban Gamliel's time, in Eretz Yisrael, in the year 100, there are 18 brachot, okay? And in the time of the editing of the Talmud in Babylonia, let's just say the year 600, there are 19 brachot. How did they go from 18 to 19? We will get there. Which is the extra one? We will get there. Amar Rabbi Levi. Rabbi Levi is an Eretz Yisraeli rabbi, Amora, probably the late 200s. So the anonymous voice of the Talmud asks, hey, I thought there were 19. Then there is a quotation from, so the Talmud is Babylonian. This anonymous voice is maybe from the year 600. Then an answer is given, a quote from an Eretz Yisraeli rabbi from 400 years earlier, 300 years earlier, Rabbi Levi, saying, Birkat haminim b'yavne tiknuha. Okay? The blessing about heretics was fixed or ordained, instituted in Yavne. Yavne was the first place of Jewish leadership outside of Jerusalem, after the destruction of the temple. So Jewish leadership after the destruction of the temple, second temple, all of this is very appropriate to Tisha B'Av time, went to Judea, the heartland of Judea, Yavne, and then other towns, a little bit of history. And then in the Bar Kokhba rebellion in the 130s, which the Romans put down very harshly, um, Judean life in uh, Judean Jewish life was sort of decimated and um, the center of Jewish life moved to the Galilee. So most of the rabbis who are quoted 
let's say in the year 150 to 200, functioned in the Galilee. That was the center of Jewish life after the Bar Kokhba rebellion, because the Bar Kokhba rebellion was put down very harshly by the Romans and, and Judean life, Judean Jewish life really declined significantly. Okay. So Yavne means between the year 70 and 120. That's what in Yavne means. Okay. It means back in that first place of Jewish leadership after the destruction of the temple. So Yavne is a place, but it also really kind of symbolizes an era. Okay. And by the way, and Yavne is like at least two generations of rabbis. So it's not one single moment in time, whether we can give you a year, it's really a span of years. So Rabbi Levi, let's say 200 years later, in the late 200s, is saying 200 years ago, they established Birkat Haminim. And that is given as the answer to the anonymous question of the Talmud of, hey, but we have 19. Okay, now this seems to suggest that Rabbi Levi is answering the Talmud's question and that the 19th bracha is Birkat Haminim, the blessing of heretics. So Larry, you said, I can't remember, where do we learn that? Because it's not in Chaim Donin's book and it's not in some other book. So the answer is the Talmud. Okay, so the Talmud suggests that the 19th blessing, the let's call it the extra added bracha, because of course, when I say 19th, I don't mean number 19. I mean, the extra blessing that was added after the 18 was fixed and it came to be called the Shemon Esrei. It was so fixed, that term, that for the last, for 2000, for, for whatever, 1900 years since then, we're still calling it the Shemon Esrei, even though it has 19 blessings. That's how fixed the term was. Okay. So, so one thing I want to point out, and Larry, I'll get to you in a second, is if you look at Robbie Levy's statement closely, he doesn't say Birkan Haminim is the extra added bracha that was on top of the 18. He just says in Yavna, they instituted, they fixed Birkat Haminim. That's all Rabbi Levi is saying. Because the anonymous editors of the Talmud put his statement as an answer to their anonymous question, literally the way they said it, it makes it look like he's answering the question. But I just want to point out, if you just read, Amar Rabbi Levi, Rikad Haminim, that doesn't tell you that it's the 19th bracha. Does everyone follow me? Okay, so it looks like he's answering a question, but what I want to point out is what that actually means is that some anonymous editor in the year 500 or 550 or 600 is posing a question. That anonymous editor then gives the answer by quoting Robbie Levy, who lived in another country and 300 years earlier, and Robbie Levy is talking about something that happened, a tradition that happened in Yavne. 200 years earlier, 200 years before him. Okay. And then their answers would give Kenegamitinua, right? And if we have this whole system of 18, 18 names of Hashem, then what is the 19th one for? We're not going to look at the what is the 19th one for. Okay. Um, Larry, 
Larry went away. He's coming back. I'm here. Thank you. You got to turn off your sound. Yeah, someone has to log off. Two computers because Diane is. I know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, first of all, uh, Avi, I just I love the way you teach, and thank you for actually putting dates for the rabbis in the mission in the Talmud. Um, generally, people will talk about Dor Sheni, Dor Rishon, etc., and it's somewhat hard to follow as well, but I, lo- I love that way of doing it. You're welcome. One thing strikes me, this entire discussion, you haven't mentioned the term Christianity or Christians at all. And uh, I'm always... Hold, put on, hold, put it on hold, hold, put it on hold. We'll get to Christians. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you say it again? Yeah, I said, please put it on hold, and we will get to Christians later today, I hope. Okay, I I just want to make the comment, simply a comment, that almost all Jewish teaching about Mishnah and Talmud is done in absence of any discussion about Christianity. It just seems to me that that's intentional, and it's missing what I imagine was an amazing... um, debate, discussion, interplay uh, in the development of both Judaism and Christianity. That's all. Okay. I will let your comments stand for the, mo- for the time and not respond to it. Great. Thank you. Okay. Tanarabanan. Tanarabanan is a technical term in the Gemara, which means we have another source, which is contemporary of, to the Mishnah, but wasn't included in the Mishnah. So the Mishnah is a book, although it was edited orally, but to us we'd call it a book, which is a compilation of sources, uh, you know, mostly from the year, you know, 100 to 200-ish. There's some earlier material like Hillel and Shammai who are earlier, and the original Rabban Gamliel. This Rabban Gamliel in Yavne is called Rabban Gamliel II, his grandfather, Rabban Gamliel I, is the Gamliel who's mentioned um, in the New Testament. See, Larry, there I got Christianity in. So there's Rabban Gamliel I and Hillel and Shammai, and they lived before and they're quoted. But in general, the mission is mostly about folks from post-destruction of the temple up to the year 220, when we think it was edited by Rabbi Huda Hanasi. And we call these people Tanaim. They're called Tanaim. The kind of rabbi they're called is Tanaim. If you lived after the time of the editing of Mishnah, you're called an Amora, not a Tana. And a Tana means a reciter or a teacher. And the Tanaim recited and, and preserved and composed various teaching. They're all in Hebrew. They're from Eretz Yisrael, not Babylonia. Okay, so there was there were Tanaitic sayings that were collected and in the Mishnah, which was meant to be an authoritative collection of Tanaitic sayings. But there are a lot of Tanaitic sayings that were left out of the Mishnah. It could be because the Mishnah didn't know them or because they were seen as non-authoritative and Rabbi Huranasi didn't want to include them. There could be all kinds of reasons. There's a whole nother collection of Tanaitic sources contemporaneous to the Mishnah called the Tosefta. Tosefta means additional. We're going to look at the Tosefta in a moment. Okay. So there are, I'm going to put it in a low, I'm going to use now Mishnah with a lowercase m. There are Mishnahs with a lowercase m 
that are collected in a book called the Mishnah with a capital M. There are, you could call it other Mishnahs with a lowercase m that are collected in a less authoritative book called the Tosefta. And then there were other Mishnahs floating around. The ones that are floating around are called Baraitot, and Baraita is Aramaic for outside. It just means it's an outside uh, Tanaitic source that didn't get collected in the Mishnah. Okay? So Tanarabanan, our sages taught, is a technical term which means there was a teaching from the Mishnaic era that did not get collected into the authoritative Mishnah. Or, if I said that shorter, a Tanaitic source that's not part of the Mishnah. Everyone follow me? So we have a source from the year 70 to 225, same era, same group of people, same type of literature. That is not part of the authoritative Mishnah. That's what that means. Here's what that source is. Here's the Baraita. Shimon HaPakoli, Hishdir Shmone Esrei Brachot Lifnei Rabban Gamliel Al HaSeder Biavne. A specific person, uh, Rabban Gamliel, was the Nasi. He was like the big guy. He didn't necessarily um, personally pen the 18 Brachot, right? This Baraita says, Actually, it was Shimon HaPakoli and uh, Atana who was the one who actually um, arranged the 18 brachot under the aegis of Rabban Gamliel and Yavne. Everyone follow me on that? Okay, not, not a big contradiction. Okay. Amar lahem Rabban Gamliel achachamim. Rabban Gamliel said to the sages, meaning the, the students there, everyone there was studying, klum yesh adam minim. Does anyone know the correct wording about heretics? It could mean, does anyone have a good version of the bracha on heretics? It could mean, does anyone, has anyone composed a good version of the bracha on heretics? It could mean sages. Can any of um, any of you go home with homework and compose a, a good bracha about heretics? Because it can mean a variety of things. Amad Shmuel Hatkatan Vitikna. Little Sam <laughs> instituted it, wrote it. Okay? Now, again, this Baraita seems to suggest, sorry, this Baraita might suggest that Birkat Haminim is the 19th Bracha. Right? But I want to point out it doesn't clearly say that. Okay? Because we have two different verbs. What Shimon HaPakoli did is he steer. He, he ordered them. He arranged them. Whereas what little Sammy did, Shmuel HaKatan, right? Um, which could mean Samuel the Younger or short Samuel or something like that, right? What Shmuel HaKatan did is he actually more did probably like the wording of Birkat Haminim. So this could fit, it could easily be understood the way we understood the Gemara with Rabbi Levi, superficially, as there were 18 brachot, and then Rabban Gamliel said, hey, we need to add 19th about heretics, and here's how it was added. But if you look at the wording closely, it's not 100% clear. There's nothing that says 
Birkat Haminim was added and wasn't originally part of the 18. So I just want everyone to see that because we're now going to see proof that it was one of the original 18 in a few moments. I think Larry raised his hand. Larry, keep it short because I want to, the stuff I got to finish today and I got to leave early. Oh, that was from before. I, I lowered it. Sorry. Okay. Oh, Joanna. Joanna, you raised your hand. Yes. Please so keep it I, short, short and lean, please. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think you kind of got to it. I was just looking at the word litaken and does that necessarily mean to write or that, you know, there was some sense of this floating around and he kind of organized the words and, and put them more established. Don't know. I just want to find out two different ver- verbs. He's dear, clearly coming from seder, which means order or arrange. And hitkin is more like fix, right? Which suggests more composition, but not entirely clear. But it's, but it is clear that they're two different verbs, okay? Um, which might suggest they're two different aspects of this process of the authoring and fixing of the um of the Shimon Esrei. And I okay. think my point is that neither one of those verbs is katav, right? So it doesn't clearly say that Correct. the person no, wrote No it. one says katav. Okay. Here's the Tosefta, meaning it's another Baraita, another Tanaitic source, which was collected in this other less authoritative document called the, to- the Tosefta. Shimon Esrei Shamru Chachamim, the 18 blessings about which the sages said is the Amida. Keneget Shimon Esrei Azkarot Elim. It's to, uh, for the 18 mentions of God's name in Psalm 29, nothing new here. But here's the new part. Vikolel shel minim bishel prushim. You include, and one includes sectarians or heretics in the bracha. Now, it says here rabbinical Jews as a translation for prushim. That might or might not be true. The prushim generally are said to be the ancestors of the rabbis, usually translated in English as Pharisees. So it could mean that here. Now, how could that mean? It could mean Hashem bless the Pharisees and destroy the heretics. Maybe it means that. Or Prushim could mean those who are separated from the community. So it also could mean you should mention the heretics in the blessing that talks about those who are separate from the community in general, maybe. Vishel Geirim, Vishel Zkenim, and you mentioned the Geirim, the converts, in the bracha about Zkenim, the elders. That's what we have, the bracha about the good guys. I'm getting to the punchline. Vishel David, Birushalayim. You mentioned David in the blessing of Jerusalem which seems to suggest that David and Jerusalem are in the same blessing. Everyone follow me? Did you see that? Bishel David, Yerushalayim. You're supposed to talk about restoring kingship of David in the bracha about Yerushalayim. What do we have? We have two separate brachot. The Tosefta, which let us just say reflects Tanaitic era, 100 to 250, in Eretz Yisrael, seems to suggest you're supposed to mention David in the bracha about Jerusalem. The Tosefta thinks they're one bracha, not two brachot the way we have it. The Tosefta adds, 
ואם אמר אלו לעצמן ואלו לעצמן, יצא. If you said them as separate brachot, you fulfilled your obligation, it's okay. Which seems to suggest, by the way, that the fixed 18 blessings was not actually all that fixed. So the Sosefta seems to suggest that David and Jerusalem are one blessing. And now, I put before you, uh, don't go away. Don't go away. Uh, I put before you the version from the Cairo Geniza, which reflects um, Eretz Yisraeli, the material in Cairo Geniza, in brief, which is about from the year 1000-ish, refl- reflects Eretz Yisraeli practice, not Babylonian practice. Here is the blessing from the Cairo Geniza. Rachem Hashem Yerushalayim v'David. Rachem Hashem Elkein Barachamech Rabim Al Yisrael Amecha V'Al Yerushalayim Yirecha V'Al Tzio Mishkan Kodecha V'Al Heichalecha V'Al Meonecha V'Al Malchut Beit David Mashiach Tzikecha Baruch Atah Hashem Elohei David Bonei Yerushalayim Which means, by the way, the Cairo Geniza has version of the Amidah has 18 brachot, not 19. Okay, where is the first place we had explicit mention of 19? Who remembers from our class today? Avi, you know you're still showing the Tosefta and not what you just read. Sorry. Uh, Why is that? Because that's not what's on my screen. You have, you have to change the, the screen share again. Go back to the screen share. I did that. Okay. I'm going to stop share, and then I'm going to screen share again. Thank you. How about now? That's- now you see something different? Yes? No? Yes, yes. We see a page with the brochot on it. Great. Yes. Great. So I'll read it again. I'll read it again. Yerushalayim v'David, Rachem Hashem Elohim v'Rachamecha Harabim al Yisrael Amecha v'Al Yerushalayim Yirecha v'Al Tzion Mishkan Kodecha v'Al Heichalecha v'Al Meonecha v'Al Malchut Beit David Mashiach Tzikecha Baruch Atah Hashem Elohei David Bonei Yerushalayim. So now I'll say the whole thing again. So the Cairo Geniza, which preserves shreds of pieces of paper, manuscripts, which generally reflects Eretz Yisraeli practice not Babylonian practice, has 18 brachot in its Amida, and David and Jerusalem are one bracha, which means this whole big deal of their 19 brachot and the sectarians, heretics, is the additional bracha, is unknown to Eretz Yisraeli practice, or at least as reflected in the Cairo Geniza. So now my question is, Let's track back and say, when's the first moment in time that we've read today that someone said there are 19? Wasn't it around five or 600? Where? In the Talmud Bavli. Okay. So the Babylonian Talmud is saying, hey, why do we call it the 18? There are 19. Okay. Eretz Yisraeli practice in, as reflected in the Cairo Geniza, apparently only had 18. David and Jerusalem are combined in, are, are one bracha. And this actually reflects 
what the Tosefta seems to suggest you're supposed to say, all of which seems to imply, now I'm going to tell you the implied part, that there's no committee notes, okay? There are no committee notes, that if, but if there were committee notes, it, they would say something like, in Babylonia, this bracha was divided into two brachot, one about Jerusalem and one about restoration of Davidic kingship. Apparently, this took place in Babylonia. We don't know exactly when, sometime between the year 200 and 600, right, I guess. Um, we, we don't know why, because the committee didn't leave notes, right? There's speculation that because the the head of the Babylonian community, the exilarch, called in Aramaic the Resh Galuta, or the Rosh Galut, he was the politically the chief Jew, right, who represented the Jews to the Babylonian government, who's not the chief rabbi, he was the chief minister of the Jews, um, was always said to be from the lineage of the house of David, meaning from the royal household. So there's modern speculation. Some scholars say this was a way to sort of emphasize the importance of the Resh Galuta, right? We're saying may the Davidic household of which we have a representative ruling over us here in Babylon someday be restored to its, to its righteous place. And that this was seen as important enough that the brachot were split into two. But we don't really know why, because there are no committee notes. So it seems that in Eretz Israeli practice, there were 18 brachot, David and Jerusalem were combined. Um, and that somehow... And sometime within the span of several hundred years in Bavel, they were split. It became 19 and David and Jerusalem are the ones that are split, which means David is the 19th bracha, not heretics. Right. Which is why I pointed out to you that in all those passages about who wrote the heretic bracha or does anyone know how to write the heretic bracha properly? None of them actually say does anyone know how to write the heretic bracha, which is the 19th blessing which we are adding now? None of those sayings actually say clearly this is an extra blessing. None of them, it, it, it's, we think it's implied, but that's because we have inherited the Babylonian tradition. Okay. By the way, here is the version of the Birkat Haminim from the Cairo Geniza. The apostates, which means people who converted to another religion, may the people who converted to another religion have no hope. And may you speedily uproot the wicked kingdom. Who is the wicked kingdom? That is probably Christian Rome. Okay. Vehanotrim vahaminim karega yovedu. And may the Nazarites, not Nazarites, the, the, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Nazareth people, meaning Christians, right? It's a word that comes to mean Christians in Hebrew, but it really means the people who are the followers of that Nazareth guy, okay? So the Nazareth people and the sectarians, meaning like, and the, all the other heretics, that, those heretics and all the other heretics, Karega Yovedu, may they speedily be wiped out. Yimachu mi sefer hachayim. This is pretty strong. 
may they be erased from the book of life, the im tzadikim al yikatevu, and not be included with the righteous. Baruch Hashem machnia zedim, who subdues the arrogant. Okay, so this is the version of Birkat Haminim, which was said in Eretz Yisrael, right? This is the version pre-censorship. It's in manuscript. It clearly is about Christians and other sectarians. Yes, Larry, it was a very interesting time. By the way, why do you think it has the language, may they be wiped out of the book of life, which is actually pretty unusual language, Right. I, I don't want to say it's unusually strong because we have lots of Jewish prayers where we pray for the death of bad guys. OK, but it, but it's unusual phrasing. If, if I said to you, you know, where else in the Sidur can you find that being, you know, erased from the book of life? I mean, it is a phrase, you know, Moses says to God, if you're going to kill them all, then erase me from the book of life. So it's not like the Sidur invented it, but it's not a very commonly used phrase. Oh, Why do you think yeah. they say that? about the notes ringing in particular. And then we're going to close because I got to go. I'm going to be late for an appointment. I'm thinking of the insert in the Amidah during um, Aserah Correct. Don't go there. Don't go there. Why? Okay. Just stick with this. Christians, why, you're correct that we talk about it, right? But why would we say dafk about Christians? I am so we say destroyed, subdued. Uh, yeah all those other words, but why erased from the book of life? So I have a, I have a theory. What is at issue? Uh, with, what's Christianity about? No, nine o'clock, Very, so you unmuted. go to Hamilton Very. Thursday. Very, could you mute, please? You're, you're unmuted. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so Okay, short answer. I have, a, I have a brief theory. Short answer, Larry. What is Christianity about? Ah. Uh, I'm not going in that direction. I'm going in the direction of Christianity was the biggest threat okay. and the real threat. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm going to interrupt you because you're taking us in a longer direction, and I'm going to keep it in a short direction. Christianity is about you believe in me, Jesus, and that is the only pathway to life eternal. Believe in Jesus, and you will have life. Everyone else dies. Okay? The only way to go to eternal life is through belief in Jesus. That is the core belief of Christianity. So I think it's Dafka, okay, they're saying not just tear them down, cut them off, weaken their power, subdue them, all of these things. They're actually saying these heretical Jews who are saying their path is the only path to life, Erase them from the book of life. Okay. It is a, I think it's a dafka and it is about, um, it is a dafka and it is about the core theology of Christianity. The core theology of Christianity is the only way to life eternal is through belief in Jesus. Period. End of story. Okay. You can do all the liberal Episcopalianism that you want about, you know, what liberal Protestants believe today. Right. But the core belief is I am the life and I'm the light and the way I am the only way, says Jesus. If you do not believe in me, you will not have life eternal. Okay, And so the rabbinic Jews. Yes, Larry, it would be a longer discussion, which we're not going to have today. The rabbinic Jews 
are saying perhaps to the Christian Jew, oh, not, not to, about the Christian Jews who say we're the only path to life. The rabbinic Jews are saying erase them from the book of life. Is that harsh? Yes. Is that strong? Yes. So I, I mean no comment to support it or apologize it or whatever. I'm just looking at it as historical. But I want to point out, I think that's why they say that fairly unusual phrase in particular. And it's not the high holidays, right? So it resonates with the high holidays. But we have a whole theology of books and high holidays. This is an everyday prayer, three times a day, right? Why would they be saying that every day, three times a day? So clearly... Yes, Larry, there was a battle for the hearts and minds of the Jews. There were two paths, rabbinic Judaism and Christian Judaism, which at this point for Christian Jews may not have been another religion. It might have been a group of people who said they were Jews. And the authorities who controlled the formulation of the prayers said, those guys who say they're the only path to life, erase them from the book of life. Right. That's the it's 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 the most. Incisive and focused response. That they would formulate to Christianity, okay, because it's the exact opposite of what Christians believed. We will close with a brief comment from Mike Harris. Yes, I was going to say that what what is being said, perhaps, is not not to kill them, not to do away with them, but to make them as if they never were, so that people will no longer even think of them. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a nice way to say it. Um, maybe. I think it's less nice. I think it means, no, we go to Gan Eden, and they don't go to Gan Eden. They think their path is the way to life eternal and resurrection, which we know is a core rabbinic belief. But um, they're wrong. And when we go to paradise, to Olam Haba, the world to come, we hope and expect to not see them there. So, uh, so I, I think it's, a, it's about, you know, Christian belief in the afterlife and how you get there and Jewish belief. Is, and they're saying, no, they're wrong. OK, I'm sorry. I got to go. We'll talk more next week. Everyone have a good day. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.